still. The others, find them and tell them not to doubt. Even now, not to doubt. Tell them to keep their faith. They must keep faith. Welcome to the Defend Warren podcast here in beautiful downtown Warren, Ohio at the Sound United Podcast Studio. I'm here with always a special guest. We're going to get out. We're going to not take our normal route and spend 20 minutes learning about the background of this gentleman because, you know, he's Scottish and who cares? No, I'm just kidding. But um, we have a lot we're going to get into and we're going to probably end up with a part two. So we're going to jump into it. But before we jump into it. Uh, I want to make sure that we're absolutely clear that since this podcast is non-political, the gentleman here is a council member of the Warren City Council, Mr. Ken McPherson. This podcast is not an endorsement for or against Mr. McPherson or anyone else on city council. I just want to make sure that that's clear. He has a, you know, he was highly recommended and he and I had some long, a couple long conversations before we agreed to move forward with this particular podcast. So just keep that in mind. This podcast, we're really going to, at least I hope, one of the directions we're going to go is is really focus on economic development within the city of Warren, along with some other issues. But again, it's not a for or against anybody within the city. It is simply information. There's going to be show, note, uh, show notes with links in them to various articles that I hope you take a few minutes to look at. So we're just going to get things rocking and rolling. Mr. McPherson, thank you for joining the uh, Defend Warren podcast. Thank you for having me. So, how was your morning, sir? It's awesome. Every day is a beautiful day. Isn't it? It's a good day to be alive. Yeah. But we do want to learn a little bit about you and your background. So, tell us, uh, give us a couple minutes of Kenny McPherson. What, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? And a little bit about your neighborhood. What was it like to be a McPherson in your family? So, I grew up uh, right off North Road on uh, Quarry Lane and technically in Howland, but surrounded all about Warren. And um, always consider myself uh, a Warrenite. And even though I went to Howland High School, which uh, turns out a lot of people in the city of Warren went to Howland. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and a lot of folks say as the city goes, so does the county. And and that's uh, for Howland. If you know the the way cities come about, they don't actually exist in in, in real estate. They, they incorporate. They're an incorporation, a municipal incorporation of townships so starting here at north park going east that's howland township going west is warren township and those you incorporate those into the city of warren so uh being from howland uh, i think in particularly where i was from uh i kind of that is warren and that every bit of warren on the east side is is howland so i guess you'd say i'm an east sider uh, no, used I don't to, tell people from Howland that's Warren. <laughs> they will tell you absolutely it is not. <laughs> well, you know, it, it may be, but officially that's how it works. And uh, uh, so I, I came from, I, I think, uh, you know, the rich side of uh, North Road, there's the country club. And I came from the, the poor side and I grew up with this uh, uh, notion that because I went to Morgandale uh, and that I was uh, – you know, disadvantaged. Uh, my family wasn't able to go to the country club. We had to go to the Avalon. And uh, so. Uh, That's a joke, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and so I grew up in a very idyllic situation. I look at it. And I had uh, 17, I think, or, you know, over a dozen by the time I was 18, even exchange student brothers and sisters from all over the world, from Japan, from Brazil, uh, Europe. Uh, so just see the world beyond 
Howland Township, right. Warren, Ohio. And I had this earning to, you know, get out of this little provincial town during its heyday, during the point at which Warren was uh, per capita one of the richest cities on the planet Earth. Well, about what year was that? The 80s. I left in 85. Wow. So, uh, I mean. Because I, you know, being in junior high in, 80, in the mid 80s, that is definitely not what I remember Warren being known as. And that's unfortunate that that was not sent, you know, spread out. That information was not sent out. You think in the 70s and 80s, you, you still had wages, price per capita, incredible wages, right? And the steel mills were still running. And, uh, um, they they stopped running recently. The one I remember when we stopped when I had to keep the window open in my bedroom on Central Parkway, half a good distance away, you could hear the the night shift furnace blow, right? And there's something about that that it would help me sleep actually. Hmm. And uh, and I come from a steel making family. Uh, we make uh, uh, my uh, uncle and grand, uh, dad, my grandpa, all the way back to my grandpa. But my dad and uncle created a company that makes uh, explosion-proof glass yeah, for steel industry. And um, that, uh, so for me, that's in my blood. My degree's in it from Case Western. I got a degree in metallurgy material science. And the reason I got that degree was when I went there, they had a beer and pizza night. I was getting ready to quit school and go do something else. And they uh, gave me a tour and had had a computer that was used to resolve electrons. There was only two working versions of it in the world. We had one and IBM had one. And uh, it could only run at night because when the traffic went by, it shook it so bad, even oh. though it was on a floating room, that you couldn't get a, a good picture of the, of the atoms, right? Yeah. And that was all math, you know, Fourier transforms on a, a electron uh, uh, microscope. And so... Tons of projects. So I ended up going into metallurgy and working on everything from lithium ion batteries. You know, it didn't come out till 92 in the Sony hand cam and, and love that and love. Uh, I'm a computer guy, my software technologist. Right. I come from the technology background. You write code. Yeah. I don't know how good that's probably. I mean, you did. No, I still do. You I still just, do. Yeah. I allegedly wrote some the other day. I don't know how well it is. <laughs> uh, I think there's some self-deprecation in, in writing code in that it humbles you when you think you have something figured out and it runs exactly what you tell it to do. And, and writing code's a lot like making laws. So when I read code and I read laws, they're really the same. Right. You know, uh, they execute through a formula. You you have tons of unintended consequences where you thought it was going to do this and it does something totally different. And so for me, uh, uh, it, it's like math, but it does something. And, and uh, OK, there's a little bit of edgy punk rock feel to it. So if we get some phones going off and, I, I thought it was mine and, uh, and uh you know cups <laughs> dropping on the table from drinking coffee it's all good this we'll is keep rocking this is this is real it's real <laughs> yeah, talk that's right uh, uh so for me uh there's a that that's my background i come up my dad was an engineer and uh i i learned physics this is good music i like it it is, oh, it is you okay all right <laughs> that's all right keep going keep going I, we're good I, i'm really doing i'm hitting right, all man. cylinders today you didn't finish your coffee that's what it is it is uh so uh my my dad was an engineer i ended up getting a degree like him through no intention to and and uh we so i learned analytical thinking rational thinking uh thinking like a computer um 
and and for me that is where i come from i come from that innovative thinking dad always asking really stupid questions about things that were prolific and that's when i really enjoy somebody that asks a question and when you don't know like we're all born ignorant right right and then we choose to either stay in that condition that native condition that natural condition or we grow out of it and we all grow out of it differently obviously right and so for me i have uh, always been innovative always wanting to go out i ran out and conquered the world traveled it i can't tell you how many times uh um been been around fortune 50 uh doing a lot of cool stuff and uh one day uh I bought a house in Warren, Ohio, and uh, my son said, hey, I want to move in with you. I was divorced, and uh, he ended up uh, going to Kennedy, and uh, I ended up being a few blocks from my parents' house, and, and I'm like, this is home. This is where I'm at, and it was always home. Like, wherever I went in the world, it was always like Warren, Ohio was my home, and when people right. ask me where you're from, it's not Howland versus Warren for me. Right. For me, it's, hey, do you know where this town's called Pittsburgh and Cleveland, do you, do you know where they're at kind of on the map? And it'd be like if somebody asked you if, where Dusseldorf, Germany is, you're like, you're like, yeah, I think I know where Germany is. And Dusseldorf's probably in the east or the west, you don't know. Or Baden, Germany. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I kind of know. And then I say, well, if that's the middle of uh, nowhere, America, I live in the middle of the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so. Well, you know, it's interesting because when, you know, I, when I lived in Columbus for a long time, we, I would run into people. And I, w- I would always wear Youngstown stuff or my Warren stuff, always. And uh, I would run into people from there. And they're like, you're from Youngstown? I'd say, yeah. but And then I would say, speci- I'm really from Warren. Oh, okay. But you'd say Youngstown. You know, everyone, I'm going to say everyone. So I'll just use the term loosely. Everyone from Youngstown, whether they're Boardman, Canfield, Poland, Liberty, Gerard, you know, they say Youngstown. And if you're from Warren, we don't quite have that same attraction, you know, to necessarily to the same degree because no one, again, I'm painting a broad brush and this is not disrespectful, but no one knows where Howland is. You don't even, people don't even know where Warren and Youngstown are. No one knows where champions. So they say Warren or they'll say Youngstown or they'll say, well, like you do near Cleveland. So I think. One of, one of my objectives is to kind of w- continue to promote positive things about Warren, Ohio and the Mahoning Valley in general, but specifically Warren, Ohio, that people would say, yeah, I'm from Warren, even though you might live not, you know, in Southington. You know what I mean? So anyway, let's get let's get into a little deeper here. One more point on go that. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, s- even Google still doesn't spend Howland right. Spell it correct. It's a unique word, right? And from pretty phonetic. Yeah. And you have to say Howland or it says Holland. Okay. And uh, from where I've been all over the world, when I've been in Vegas or, or L.A. or Chicago, um, it's surprising me how many people, particularly and don't even count Florida. That's like mini, mini Ohio. Yeah. Um, they're from here. There are yeah. a lot of folks you run into. I talked to, um, do you know who Phil Kidd is? Yeah, yeah. I, had I have on. to listen to that podcast. It's though. really good. He, right. he he gave a great, great interview. I'm not like a professional interview, so he's done interviews before, I would assume. Yeah. So thanks, Phil, if you're going to listen. Um, but he, we talked about that, the idea that, you know, when I lived in Columbus, there, there, there was a whole, I don't want to say club of people from Youngstown, but that's, they would get together periodically and there was a ton of people from Youngstown, no matter where you go in this world. And I, and I consider, you, you know, Youngstown, what I consider the Mahoning Valleys, Warren to the north, Youngstown says to the south, and everyone in that little circle there is the Mahoning Valley, even though we know it's five counties, Trumbull, Mahoning, Columbiana, Lawrence and PA, and Mercer and PA. But you could go and say you're from Youngstown. You're like, yeah, I'm from Youngstown. Quick story. 
because I really want to spend as much time as we can on our topic here. No, I love your segue stories. I've listened to a lot of your <laughs> Okay. And they make it work. Okay, right? good, good. So, uh, and I've told this one before, but my wife's from San Diego, and we would be out when we were living in Columbus, and I would always wear Youngstown stuff. And I told her, we're, we're everywhere. And yeah. so there's, you can, as you listen to other podcasts, you'll hear it. But I was walking, we were down in, in Columbus in the short north going to dinner, and I some guy was walking down the street. I had a YSU pullover. He goes, you're from Youngstown? I was like, well, yeah, I'm really worn. I'm from whatever. And we became friends. And that was a thing that... I, you know, I brought up to Phil was that you have a friend instantly. You can go, you wear anything that says Youngstown on it. You're going to meet someone somewhere. I don't care if you're in uh, Sioux Falls, North Dakota. I think that's in where Sioux Falls is. South it's either Dakota. South Dakota. Yeah, South Dakota. You're going to run across someone who's from Youngstown or has kin or one person removed from Youngstown. And that's because when the mill shut down, people just started dispersing. And they just, we ended up. All across the country. And this is a great segue into what you and I want to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. About. This is perfect. We're going to hit it hard today, kids. So you just put your hats on okay. and stra- tighten up your boots because uh, we're bringing it hard. So I don't know what subject you want to start off with. Um, I was looking at my notes. We could continue right on that one. The brain drain. The brain drain. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, we don't have to get into this topic yet. I think it'll come eventually. But how? Let's just start. Let me ask you this question. In your opinion, what are a couple, two, maybe three things that we can you do? And by we, I don't mean just city council or the mayor. Mayors come and go. City councils come and go. But whoever's there is going to be obviously have some type of influence on how do we stop the brain drain? The, Warren, Ohio has produced throughout its history some very and still does successful business people academics let alone we all we're known more for our athletics but our academics and our business how do we stop that and or encourage them to come back uh, tolstoy uh the russian philosopher says um <clears throat> you're going to change the world you have to first start by changing yourself right and uh and i think uh, um Government maybe is one piece of it. I think it's the minority piece. Um, I think they can government can create an environment that's friendly or hostile. Right. Um, but I think the people like this town back in the day, a hundred years ago, we were the Silicon Valley yeah. of the world. Right. We had a light bulb plant here because we were one of the first municipal places to put lighting up i think in depending how you say it we were first right that's what i understand we were first yeah street yeah. lights yeah but i think Pitt, cleveland did something right but we're right here this area right? right this was from detroit to pittsburgh this was the silicon valley of 100 years ago um, we need to get that back we need to this facility we're in right now um, um is part of that i think so um innovation in our heads right how we think about stuff how we innovate right in facility we're in the bright building which is if can you give it like a quick synopsis of what bright is doing here i i need to get rick on so he can really dig in the details but i haven't had a chance to bring him up. I, I think this is um this is a and i don't want to speak for them right? right right so but for me this is a place where you can come and you have it you go to pittsburgh you go to columbus you go to cleveland they have them. there's a colo work area here right right it's kind of an innovation center it's kind of a 
it's a center where in Warren, if you want to, and there's other places that do this, uh, but this is our key. This is our linchpin. And it was great that in government came together to make right. this happen. You know, uh, to, uh, at the national level, our, our congressmen, uh, uh, you know, not to be too political. No, no, no. I mean, you give credit where credit is due, yeah. although I think, you know, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to be critical. It shouldn't have taken five or six years to get these doors open, but that's another subject. These are all things, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he, you know, Tim Ryan, was was part of getting bright and and, and not that he did it like right. it, it was a he but he got a, he jingled some money out of right. washington right? right and um uh so and it was a lot of people all these things right. and this is what's going to have to happen is coordinate that like and i think what you're doing is a little bit of it right? right um and i think uh there's some other folks doing stuff um I think we have to, for me, I, I, a friend of mine, we, we talked about starting a uh, startup, a uh, uh, community uh, innovation center uh, and, and not something as vicious as this and, and, and really professionally done, but just something where people get together in like a hacker lodge or a maker space. And we ended up innovating one over in Youngstown at uh, the Oak Hill Collaborative, where at one point we had a 3D printing lab. Uh, we end up getting a robotics guy involved, and uh, we were doing training where I there's a little these little boards, they're gumstick side boards that are called Raspberry Pis. They're made out of open source hardware out of England, uh, using really cheap uh, CPUs uh, that now are used in apples. The M1 is one of these CPUs. They're risk based CPUs. They don't uh, they don't subscribe to the more complex architecture and in the Intel chips, right? And uh, they're beautiful, and they built these little makerspace boards you can run robots with and cars. And I think that kind of innovation on that level of tech, right, uh, we we have to think about this thousand acres we have south of us here, right? Um, well, what what is that thousand acres? Can you tell us what was there at one time? Yeah, WCI, uh, uh, RG Steel, Seversol, the the last working steel making machine in the Steel Valley that used to, you know, I'd hear it burst away and burp out its steel at uh, t- turning uh, iron oxide into steel into iron, um, and and we have other melt shops here. But yeah. the basic oxygen furnace, which we had at one point when we were kids, what, 31 of them here in the Steel Valley? Yeah. There, the whole the river was loaded up and down from Warren to Youngstown. And now this, this if you go even a further circle, and uh, there's one left in Cleveland at LTV. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that Parma? No, that's right downtown on LTV. When you're walk, driving out of downtown, you see that yeah. big yeah. burst of flame coming out of the, okay. uh, yeah. That's, I think there's a mill, mill still going in Parma, though, too. There, there was a melt shop oh, at the uh, um, um, at the old Ford Motor Plant, and they had a full casting shop, right? Okay. But I think most of these are melt shops. You bring gotcha. steel in and you melt it, and you might bring scrap steel in, but it's still steel, right? Um, and uh, you have to kill it differently, and there's a different process. And, and I'm sure there's people would argue with me that you can get oxygen reduction to occur, right? But they generally, it's not efficient, right? You have to have a basic oxygen furnace. It was revolutionary. Um but talk about the thousand acres because you have a really good idea that can be used because that land. Thank you because I went off on metallurgy. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> told you I'll, br- I'll bring you bring, back. Bring me back. But uh, that that land you can't you can't develop brownfields with uh, and build certain things on it because it has to be cleaned. It, well, so there's a my understanding is okay. There's a DOD. Um, uh, DOD stands for what? Please? Department of Defense, because they put some dirty stuff through there, and so they took credit for it. And the government has said there's a 100-year EPA 
get out of free jail. So if you want to buy it and own it, you can do that. And you're protected for 100 years against. Uh, Will they clean it up or you can just build on it? I don't know. Okay. Again, that's beyond. That's another conversation. It'd be a great conversation. I'd love to listen to that podcast. Who knows that and can talk to that? Yeah, right? If you do, please uh, reach out to me. Um, and that's why I love this. I love your show. I wanted to tell you this is Thank phenomenal. You. I appreciate it. Um, I haven't. I've, I've gotten a little feedback here and there um, with some with some positivity. And, you know, you just keep grinding away. It's not, I, you know, if. if 10 people said, we hate your show. I don't care. But when you get that one person who says, you know, I really like it. I appreciate what you're doing. That just kind of keeps you going. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and by the way, if somebody hates it, that's an official response, right? (laughs) Oh, you listen to it? Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Joe Rogan's one of the most hated podcasters in the world. And he gets 11 million hates a day. (laughs) That's all good, man. It's all good. But I I appreciate when I get that, when I do get some positive feedback. It's good. It's good. Yeah, keep it up. And 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 that's part of innovation, right? Like part of like, you're going to fail a lot. Yeah. And and I work in a very, in my life, I've lived on the cutting edge, the bleeding edge of the knife of technology. And I remember in 92, my buddy and I, say man it's when's this going to slow up and like we're not going to constantly feel stupid right because you just constantly feel like if you're in that area everything's new and you're trying you're trying to master something and then it's blown up and gone and uh and, and in the innovation space there's this thing called fail fast right and pivot and try again right right uh, that's a good business rule it is it's great and um i think that's what we need to do with this this is this is done in my humble opinion one of the and, and this isn't mine i have other folks who share it uh real estate folks folks are way smarter and better at this than me but that we have two sets of electrical grids here yeah going into because that's where i was going to bring us back to is that in that thousand acres that thousand acres and actually now we have three because we have those gas electric plants down there where they turn gas into electricity in Lordstown. Oh, yeah. Right? And it it wouldn't be much to to get rid of First Energy and put our, his own lines in and create a custom grid, right? And effectively, that is a custom grid. If you're coming right from in the- In Lordstown? In Lordstown. If you're bringing right from the producer of electricity in, you have three sources of electricity. So what do you need to do an Amazon? When you th- when I think of Amazon, everyone else thinks of the rubber dog shit that shows up their front door. But when I think of Amazon, I think of AWS, Amazon Web Services, a billion dollar behemoth money maker right. that is 60% of the world's fastest, largest, most profitable market, which is cloud. They are cloud. And that's what makes all the money for that stupid. Everything is cloud now. Yeah. And Everything. They, no, no. Everything is cloud on Amazon. So, so, so when one Amazon Drive is an Amazon cloud service, yeah. So they compete with it, right? Yeah, so one Drive. With it. Yeah, that's their competition. But think of that's Microsoft. Yeah, and they kick their ass. They're sixty yeah. percent of the market. And yeah. do you know who their other competitor is? Google. Yeah. And who are their other competitors? Oracle. And they and, and Walmart on the on the commercial. Hey, sell you crap. Um, oh. So in a uh, uh, Walmart on the other side actually said, you can't do business with us if you host at AWS. No kidding. Yes. Right. So they recognize like where Amazon gets their money to stay in business. Let's go. Let's let's imagine if Amazon built a data center here. Well, let's let's talk about that. But let's talk about the importance of the electrical grid, because that's also a very key component that I think war needs to leverage. We have this large sum of money that we now have received that we're going to get into today. But we need 
Warren, Ohio needs to break away from First Energy and create its own electrical grid. Get rid of them. And there's a couple of reasons why. First Energy just got not too long ago busted for a bribery scandal and will pay a $320 million fine. You can Google that. I found it on NPR and I saw it in the news before. Um, the other thing is, is if your electric rates go up, wh- who are you going to call? You're going to call them and they're going to say, too bad. But if the if the city controls it, you can call your councilman or councilwoman and say, hey, what's going on? Let's get our rates where they need to be. Thirdly, you can then leverage that to grow your city, which is something else we're going to talk about here shortly. But talk can speak to that for, you know, attracting business through that electrical grid. Explain the two different electrical grids that we currently under one is in New York and the other one's. Where I forget uh, PA, PA? Virginia. Okay. Uh, kind of give, give two minute synopsis of what that means. So there's these, and I'm by no means an expert. So yeah, I've heard fine. enough to to be able to be wrong. Yeah, right. That's okay though. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, so there's multiple electrical grids across the country, and they compose regions. And so the one we're in, the one that remember we had the blackout where they had the computer virus that shut down, the synchronization went right. off, and so. Uh, and then Cleveland went down. Everybody went down for hard for a day, and they had to kind of reboot the system. Uh, uh, but parts of Warren, Southern Warren, did, Warren didn't, right? And that's why, like, a lot of companies in Cleveland have talked about actually moving data centers here, right? That, I, we could have a whole show on that subject alone, but go ahead. Yeah, I, one of the companies I did was a tech company right out of downtown Cleveland, right? And uh, well, let me can I pause real quick? Is there any is there being any attempt or discussion on attracting data centers via, from Cleveland or from anywhere else in the country here, or is that are we still too early in the game? No, we're too late in the game. By I, the way, oh, okay, okay. So yes, there has been. I've been actively. There's been a few sniffs around when they come around. You know, my phone tends to ring and, and I tend to give a, advice from that uh, software technology data center side. Right. Uh, which, by the way, I'm by no means an expert at. Right. So we're talking about like, although I'm a computer engineer, software tech guy. Right. It's right. it's a giant industry that composes a lot of stuff. So w- what I'm good at is the software end and the and how software winds together. And in the end, everything becomes software. Even the networks now are software, right? They're called SDN, software-defined networks. And so, but we have to do that. We have to figure out what we're going to do with that piece of land. And, uh, um, and in the end, uh, uh, there's a lot of things we have to do in terms of like, how do we innovate, how do we develop, and how do we coordinate? And that's what this comes down to, right? This comes down to a coordination pattern. Um, and you have to understand how those patterns web together. So I hope if uh, one of the things from this conversation is good, if we can get folks to listen and understand that, like, on the side of government, when those conversations occur, right, how do we get that how, – how do we – like Mark Marvin, real close with the city, right? Everybody loves him. But, I mean, not speaking for him, but you'll speak to him, and I'm sure you'll we'll hear some of the um, aggravation in his voice. I, I know some of the aggravations secondhand. Me too. Pretty but, close secondhand. But, you know, I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. I'm not, again, I'm not here to badmouth anybody. I'm no, here just no, to, but, you know what I mean? But this comes back to government can either be a hindrance or a help. Right. And, uh, and sometimes folks think they're helping and maybe they are in a way right because they have other as as government folks 
we have to think about a bigger picture, right? And what's happening. And I think there needs to be a little bit of that. As much as I'm a laissez-faire, you know, free market economist, I, I, there that has to be there, right? Um, the question is, where's that supposed to sit, and what's the give and take? And that's a whole nother podcast. Well, I think I think. What, again, I'm, I'm no expert, you know, I, I'm here sharing ideas that I hope others will then think on and then talk about and then bring it to whoever. But I think having, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that if, to my knowledge, a city has any economic development plan on any level for anything. This time I'll bring us back from the weeds. Okay. Say, we're not supposed to go there. Well, no, 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 no. I'm, just, I'm saying that the reason I bring that up is because if, if the, we're trying to accomplish something having a plan on how to accomplish that would be beneficial. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think from my point of view, I, and I've talked with some old timers who've done this, right? One of them's in my Rotary Club. And, you know, you, you got to get out and uh, put your boots on and go to c- convention shows. You got to right. go, you got to go knock on doors. You got to go, you know, uh, out to dinner with folks and in, in, in Austin. And, and, and right now, Austin's right. not the place to go, although it's no. probably a great place to go to catch people from California. So yeah. now, you know, they're thinking about jumping. And instead of jumping to Austin, you have them jump to Warren. And you tell them about this wonderful area. We're amazing to raise a family with sporting and 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 gorgeous neighborhoods and beautiful homes and just a wonderful place to take five minutes to drive 20 miles where there's no other place on the planet Earth where you can go 20 miles away in five, just the speed of 60 miles an hour. The diversity of everything here from economy to neighborhoods to, you know, in 20 minutes, you're in Amish country. Another 20 minutes, you're in the heart of Cleveland. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We think about it. Within an hour, I could be at some pretty avant-garde stuff in either yeah. Pittsburgh, right? Right. Uh, Carnegie stuff in Pittsburgh, yeah. right? Cleveland. Uh, well, Carnegie stuff's in Cleveland, too, but also yeah. Rockefeller stuff. Right. And, and and foundations and art museums with, with some of the greatest collections of uh, – um, What's the art where they uh, abstract art, the uh, 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 impressionistic period? The, the Cleveland, I've been around the world at art in Chicago and in and, 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 and Amsterdam where I saw on loan from the Cleveland Institute of Art. From, no kidding. Yeah. So it's a, uh, we, we have within an hour. Phenomenal. So much stuff. It's so much stuff. And then, but now you're in this nice little provincial neighborhood, right? That, that I growing up saying I want to get the heck out of and now I'm back here loving it and fighting for it and doing everything I can to to like your shirt says defend Warren and I, I Warren's my hometown uh, and I think we have to do whatever we can do to show people what awesome I'm a, I was a f- former ward councilman I love that job uh, due to circumstances I have to try to do something else uh, but What's your position on council now? At large. At it's large. the whole okay. city. Right. right. And uh, but I loved going, man, the stories I hear when I talk to people, we, we neighbors taking care of neighbors. Oh, I, I wish I could capture more of those oh. when my parents and I want to get back to the data center and this electrical grid no, but, thing. But a little this bit. goes to that. It does. It all connects. Community goes Absolutely. to that. When you want to sell this community. Right. It's not a burned out gray zone. It is whatever. not. This is a vibrant, really intelligent. And if you gave anybody a job to come back to. 
they would flow back. The talent would flow back to this area because it's a great area to raise a family. There are people there are people moving back here now. I've talked to a few and I, you know, I moved back years ago. Uh, Kevin Stringer moved back years ago. I thought he didn't stay away as long as I did. Other people, Mike Ingram, who's been on the show. So they're in. If you do, I did uh, for I did lift for a little while, and you just talk to people, and there are people moving back to Youngstown, moving to Youngstown from New York City, yeah. from Phoenix, Arizona, from California. They're moving to this area, but and because of its uh, low cost of living. But if we advertise that, and we try to reach out to our kin. I'll call them our kin who grew up in Warren and said, hey, we're building something here. Come be a part of it. I think they would do it. Uh, and if the, if the opportunity is there. So there's one of our things, right? Let's 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 get our kin folk back. Right. Exactly. That's where it starts. Let's bring that talent back. We've got a platform. We've got a lot of the moving parts. I think you and I have talked about the the renaissance of with uh, art and downtown and some Marvin bringing some money down here and other folks doing what they can and everybody loving this city. I think we're almost there. There's a few more pieces in there. And uh, and I think it comes around tech. I think about embracing things. When I talk to 90-some-year-old people, and they don't know what that their internet thing is, but we got to do something like that. Yeah. And uh, so even the most, like, out-of-touch folks who don't even have a flip phone and still have rotary dial phones sitting on the kitchen wall when you're talking to them, right? They they get it. We need tech. We need to do something tech. It's got to be either AI, ML. Uh, it's got to be batteries like we're doing in Lordstown. And that's going to bring a ton of really – they're talking about the South Koreans coming here. And I've talked about – we joked about it. Uh, if we had an H-1B visa program expansion, right – uh, and everybody's oh, explain, want- explain what that is. So so H-1B visas, uh, a technology visa for um, basically computer programmers to come to this country and do tech work. And one of the requirements is you have to make it. I think it's now fifty five thousand. But back in the day in the 90s, it was fifty two thousand, which was a ton of money. Right. Yeah, back then. It was a lot but they've never indexed it up. They really need to index that number yeah. up. But it, you can imagine if if like in I, Tim, Tim Ryan, I've talked to him about it and yeah. said, hey, Tim, uh, you know, if we expand the H-1B visa by 20%, I think it's 50000 a year or 100000 So we add 20000 or $10,000, 10,000 jobs. Let's use 10000 Let's say, and we said, we got everybody here in the Appalachian area, everybody from Western PA, what I like to call Pennsylvania, right? Right, right. We get everybody from Southern Ohio. We get all those congressmen to vote yes on a H-1B visa expansion, and we peer with our friends in Silicon Valley with the proviso that the addresses of the H-1B visa recipients the, the is has to be in these zones. Mm-hmm. That's 10,000 jobs times 50,000 is uh, at 1,000, it becomes uh, 50 million, right? Times 10 becomes $500 million, a half a billion dollars worth of work. And I've said, if, if some of that shows up here in Warren, the worst case scenario is we start having some curry in our pizza. You can have curry in your pizza. <laughs> Give me old mama Italy off the boat. Make me some pizza. Right. We're all going to sunrise. <laughs> but, but that, and then that's the beauty yeah. of the whole thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you, you've seen it in Columbus. Yeah. Well, we're going to, I'm going to talk about Columbus in a minute, but I, I'm, you know, I'm um, to my detriment. You know, I, I know no man is an island, but I'm also a very independent thinking person. If you're going to tell me something's X, I'm going to question you on it until you I should. prove it. Yeah. Uh, that's not the mentality of the world today, but I'm very, very driven in that. And that's why I don't want to rely on 
the Tim Ryans of the world because they have hoops they have to jump through to get things done. I think things like that would be icing on the cake, but we should be driven, in my opinion, here locally like a laser. You know, we have uh, an excellent robotics program at Harding. Um, I know, I don't know what, uh, and I know in McGuffey also has a, a pro robotics program going. I think we really need to focus on that here locally in Warren first. And if we can get other things on top of that, that's even better. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't try, but you know, what can happen is, is we, we put all our eggs and I'm just saying we very loosely here, but you say, well, we'll do this with whatever Senator or whoever, and we'll get all these jobs here. And then 10 years and five, seven years later, the doors finally open. No, let's, let's, you know, let's focus on what we have here. Let's try to get people to move back. Let's give them a reason to move back and create that organically from within. And then I think those other things will then flow. It would come back to the Tolstoy comment. We, we, and, and even if you're not going to be a programmer, right, you have to see this stuff. You have to understand what it is to program a piece of code and have it break or work or do what you thought it was going to do. And so whether you're a uh, analyst, you're an accountant, you're a, uh, a manager of a business unit that doesn't you're like, I don't do computers, but you do because your workflow is managed by software. Right? right. And so everybody, there's nothing we do today that isn't software. And so to understand that that process of making that robot do something stupid, right? Throw a basketball through or whatever it is. Right. That is essence of what we all have to learn. And I also think that like robotics, I'm just super excited about it. Um, I think that somebody has to grab something here. And, and, yeah. and then if you want to encourage somebody to come here, and I think we definitely have that hands-on talent. It's built into our DNA, the folks that are here. Like if somebody brings a, 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 a company here, we just we don't only need the propeller heads. We need a lot of people around them to make it happen, right? And so for every one propeller head, there's usually five to ten like normal folks. And when I say normal, I, uh, I, I know what you mean. I speak as lay a pro- members. I speak as a <laughs> propeller head, right? Right. right. We're, we're like it's it's something I'm very weak on is, and I call it the reptilian brain of logic and rational thinking, and and right. like we're humans, so we have that mammalian effect. And I, I follow a guy, Lex Friedman, on uh, – uh, if you would listen, anybody listens, look up Lex. He's a, a, a AI researcher from MIT, a Russian, completely analytical. But he always talks about love and this passionate side. And I share a lot of things with him in that I am from my dad, that rational, right? But then I got from my mom this kind of passion of loving people and hugging and going to art museums and orchestras. Right. And, and so I think we need to – and that's something I'm weak at. I constantly work at, but we have to work on our tech end, showing people that we have a tech DNA here, right? Steel making is high tech stuff. That plant up in LTV in the eighties, when I went to it, they had a continuous caster that was completely computerized and they printed like a typewriter on the side of the molten hot glowing brick, a serial number, and they could track the quality at a higher level that they could get the chemistry quality of that giant hundred ton bucket of molten steel when they poured in the play-doh maker that's a continuous caster they could t- track the quality of that all the way out to your automobile or your uh, mm. uh washing machine better than i could do the chemistry in our our lab downstairs at case 
No kidding. So, so that's a high tech industry. Yeah. It looks primitive. It looks scary. They're very high tech. Steel making is extremely computerized, very automated. If you think about it, a hundred years ago, it took a thousand men or 10,000 men to make a ton of steel. And today it takes a thousand men to make a hundred tons of steel. And, and so it's as advanced as you can get anywhere you go in the world, whether it's Australia or Singapore or here. Um, we have to bring that. We got to grab that tech early. And I'm, I'm big on AI, ML, ML's machine learning, AI's artificial intelligence. This is this is the code behind these all these thinking things we have from our cell phone, which it looks like Google repushed their 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 engine because they don't it doesn't know howland anymore and i have to say howland really good and it's it was getting really good at learning my hillbilly accent and the way i talk and now it's doesn't work as well for me Mm -hmm. so i think they pushed a new engine right but even to be able to say there's a a learning engine in there that even if you don't even know under understand how to program deep convoluted networks if you don't understand the non-deterministic mathematics behind all that right you got to understand that that's a, there's a little orb in there that does this tricky stuff and you got to train it. That's one step. And then you can use it. And, in, and once you train it on these big, massive computers, it's simple and fast enough to run on, well, this little mini supercomputer we all carry around in our pocket. And, and that's where I think we need to get. We need to get those folks here through hook or crook, through promise, through Hey, man, you're from Warren. Bring that here. Mm-hmm. Bring that knowledge here. And even if it's not that, I think the other part is the folks we do have. And I think as a city, I always preach like we have to lead by example. So that's one of the things we're going to try to upgrade city council to the we've got some people coming in that's going to show us how to do some really cool stuff. Uh, but I think as our locals, you and I talked about this, one of my dreams and I've pitched it at various of our our local um you know, Sam and and Anthony and, and yeah. some others, right? And we'll I, say business mind meeting. Yeah, and and, I, and I've been over at uh, Trumbull Industries. He's got some, he's a few years ago, this is quite a while ago, he, he ended up getting his computer guys. They all got cool gaming chairs and he's trying to drive programming over there. And, and even uh, even uh, uh, the Payophilus has that their organization finally embraced technology. And they, they, they've done a, a real low tech with building those coffee makers and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. And and by the way, that's the Prometheus and Bob syndrome. I'm more like Prometheus, the alien from the old cartoon and Bob, Bob doing things simple is, and they do a phenomenal job and they're billionaires for it. Right. So highly I, efficient. Who am I to question them? Right. Right. But like we need those folks to, to say, what's your worst, what's your worst problem? And then we build a solution for them. And that solution's head and whatever problems they have, everyone else has. And if we fix it for them, and when I say we, I don't mean government. Right, right, I, right. I mean a startup company. Right. I mean a startup company. If we fix it for them, we can go out and sell that and fix it to everybody else. And we start seeding these small companies from what we have left of a, a, a platform. And I think that involves innovative startup people. It involves some craziness and it involves some... Uh, some of our legacy folks that are still here able to deliver. You know, if, you, if whoever's listening, you want to get in on this, yeah, let me know. Um, I think what would help with that is, or you know, also reach out to Ken as well. What I think would also, uh, and I'll put his contact information in the, in the show notes. What I what else I think would ha- happen is it's almost like when you're going to try to get funding for a business, you want to, you need a business plan. 
And if you so if we're, we want to accomplish these things, the city needs to have a business plan. And I don't know if it exists. I don't I don't think it does. But I th- believe that's what needs to happen. Having a business plan of this is how we are going to position the city with the city's what the city can do. You, again, not all the city, but how are we going to attract them here? Here's a, here's what tools we're going to give. Here's our playbook. We're going to give it to you. When you want to open a, a, a business in Warren, Ohio, here's the playbook. Here's what you need to do. Do this and you'll be good to go. And I think that'd be very helpful. Yeah, I, I think other cities have done that where they have that form online. We talked about it one time about one stop. But I also think uh, we need our own shark tank here. Right. Like you brought up, uh, people need to understand what it is to have uh, seed money, angel money, what it is to if you're going to go that route and you want to you honestly believe the insanity of maybe going public someday and being listed on NASDAQ. Your idea is that awesome. And and one out of a million are. Uh, But to make that work, it takes a lot of people bought in. Right. Yeah. And, And to be able to sell that up. But even if we did something a little more modest and just said, hey, I want to build a little $10 million company, right? And uh, what's it? <laughs> a little $10 million. I mean, I know that's little in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, yeah, but try still doing a lot it. of money. Oh, I know. It's not easy. Try building a million dollar company. It, try You'll building a company, you. period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Start your own business. Yeah, yeah. So you think about it, if If you have a million dollar company and you have 50 cent cost, you only have gross profit of 500000 right? And out of there, you got to pay the rent, the utilities, everything else, right? And this is what you're talking about, a plan. Um, but I, I think it's more important that we have that wired into it. You, you go out to Silicon Valley and and, and, and you got you got homeless people that know how to talk this story. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, so I think there's, uh, and I spent a, a good amount of time out there. The company I used to work for was headquartered out there. So I was, I was out there all the time. Um, even after I left, I was constantly flying back out there with the one startup I had. Right. Yeah. Um, we, we, that's that we have to change ourselves. And I think when I talk with older people, uh, and, and they tell me about how tech has to happen. That excites me. That means that that's still in us and that we have it in us. And, and how we do it, I don't know the answer. But I, I don't think it's just government having a playbook. And I think that's a great idea. I think that's one piece. It, it, we talked about it. Yeah. I think, it, But I think it's a minority piece. I think it's the, the, the majority of this is we need to have our business folks. Um, and I think I think we can get government out of the way. And I, I think agree. We, I, I think we can use government as a launching instead of a, a prohibiting. Right. But it has to come from our business community. It has to come from our community. It has to come from our legacy. It has to come from the people. Start at the people up and people with great ideas being able to collaborate and know that like this place is here, Bright's here, and to know that there are folks that would help them. And, and I would be one of those. Anybody right. who has, if they think they have an idea, um, Better than money, I can tell you this, because of my friends in Pittsburgh and Cleveland that do startups, they always want me to come. Mm. And I and I, I, I don't, it takes a lot of time, a lot of work. It's a lot of hours, a lot of buried hours. And God, you don't know what it is as you're leaving at midnight. Mm-hmm. And then you're waking up again at five and you're going seven days a week. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you that. And then in the end, sometimes your employees end up making more money than you. Mm-hmm. I've been it. I've 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 been a consultant at startups where I was the consultant making way more than anyone there, including the founders, uh, uh, because they needed me there to help launch. 
Yeah, that's short term, long term. If if everything takes off, and that that's the that's the risk the dice you roll. It is, and but it's also there's there's something about it. It's just not the money. That's the drive and the passion. Otherwise, you're not going to do it. Why does Elon Musk do it? He's yeah. already got so much money yeah, to right. do with, right? Well, you know, it's the old saying, either growing or dying. So if he stops, he's competition's going to pass him up and that's it. No, no. Forget competition. Him and his head. In your yeah, head. True. In our head, that's right? True. It's who that's he is foundation. to keep innovating, right? Yeah. He can't stop. And, and then, by the way, founders aren't run companies. They're the worst people run companies. Most founders turn their companies over. Like, I think ultimately, once he gets Tesla at a certain point, right, I think his he has an exit strategy to get out and let professional management come in. Uh, although, like in the case of uh, our friend uh, Larry Ellison at Oracle, um, he's he's been a wonderful manager, keeping that company, like, grew it to a, a legitimately big company. It's So, we need to look at that. We need to look at how do we get that so these jobs are here so when people come. So, we're going to jump to the next um, topic here of annexation. And uh, it's important. It's important to, <laughs> he laughs because we had conversations about this before we, we did the show. But I want to bring up um, a, a, I listen to another podcast called Valuetainment. It's a business uh, podcast and entertainment, but there's a lot of good business applications on there. He, he interviewed the mayor, actually ex-mayor, of Frisco, Texas. In 1992, their population was 6,000. In the year 2020, guess what their population was? What? 172,000. Wow. I know that's Texas. All right. Then there's pros and cons of Texas. There's going to be pros and cons of wherever Ohio. But from 90, he wasn't the mayor the whole time, but he was an in, integral part of getting to the population point where they are now. They're 172,000 people. If Frisco, Texas can do it, Warren, Ohio can do it. If Columbus, Ohio, who was super small back in the 50s, and I pulled up, uh, I'm going to put this website, the uh, link to this article um, for Columbus, Ohio, and how they have now become the largest city in Ohio was because of a mayor by the name of Sensenbrenner. Yeah. And, and the article is how Columbus became the largest city in Ohio. And do you know how they did it? Annexation. Yes. Period. Period. I've had some little tidbits of conversation. No, you don't grow cities through annexation. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. It's not even a discussion. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you not you necessarily directly. I do care what you think. That's why you're on the show. But it's annexation is the way to grow a city. Why? Because cities like Warren, we don't have a lot of developable, developable, developable land like the townships do um, because they're not developed. Warren has been developed to a certain point. We need to grow our borders if we're going to grow. Why is it important? that Warren grows. Okay, example. So I'm not picking on any townships. This is not about putting someone down to lift someone up. That's not what I do. Let's pick on Howland and Champion. If Howland grows in his population, who does that benefit? Howland. If Champion grows in its population or economic, whatever, you know, business, whatever, who does that benefit? Champion. Might a little bit Warren Township, maybe a little bit of Warren, but it benefits them alone primarily. If Warren grows, who does that benefit? All of Southern Trumbull County. The townships grow, the suburbs grow, the city grows. That's how it works. To prove that, Columbus, Ohio. So you got to find someone like 
a Columbus to disprove people who don't think annexation is the way to go. Look at another example, and I've shot these guys out all the time, is Cockeye Barbecue. You know how many people thought about starting a business on the west side of Warren on Parkman Road? Zero. Why? It's horrible over there. That's a blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. And they just proved all of you wrong. Including me. All of you. So don't tell me about annexation is not the way. Columbus has done it. And the person who wrote this article is from Cleveland. And it was in a Cleveland, I got to put my old man glasses on, but I'll, uh, I'll include it in the show notes, teachingcleveland.org, teaching but I'll put it in the show notes. So we have to have a policy, which takes me back to our water and sewage. You know, I pulled up an article and I'm going to put in the show notes how there were, I don't know if it's still the case, so correct me if I'm wrong, that there were people outside of Warren, Ohio, paying for less for their, per whatever measurement for their water than residents of Warren, Ohio. There, there are not individuals. There are um, other districts, entities, right, who buy off of the city of uh, Warren and then resell it to their, their people. Uh, they do not pay less. They actually pay okay. more. So, so the individual at the household pays more. Gotcha. But okay. the, the other legal entity. I got to find. I have the article, but right. I yeah. wasn't so, clear. So, so we got to. There, if there are, I wouldn't wouldn't doubt me if there was one or two people who did. But for the most part, uh, the outside rate is one and a half times the inside rate, except if you're another legal entity who's buying it wholesale and we are not responsible for taking care of the local pipes. Right. In which case, then they're buying it at our wholesale price. Um, but I, I could be wrong. There may be somebody, maybe some wholesaler that's buying it off us and reselling it cheaper. But I who would it. be buying it the water off of Warren? Um, in in the case like Lordstown buys our water, and then they run their own distribution system in the city of uh, in their in their in their um, in their corporation. District. Yeah, yeah, in their district. Right. Uh, so they buy it wholesale off us. Right. And, and then they take care of all that pipes on the last mile, right? And they bill it and they do everything. And so there's a meter at between us and them, right? Uh, there's a sewage meter between Champion and uh, uh, the Warren's water, water Treatment, WPC, Water Pollution Control, right? There's a meter there that checks all the fluid coming through from Champion down into our main pipe. And then they pay at that meter rate, right? Gotcha. And it was at one time, I think, way too low. Uh, so, so you're, and we can, like, for example, this plant, this piece of property we talked about, when they come back, when we get somebody to come back to that, we could either jet it or we could annex it. You know, I'm not a fan of jets, but you got to get along. So, uh, but as long as Warren is the beneficiary primarily, then I'm good with it. What I'm not good with is when most of these jets, in my opinion, really only benefit mostly the, uh, the townships. Um, I, you know, here's the thing with annexation, too, is that, you know, Warren can't annex champion um, because it goes through Warren Township. You can only annex land that uh, that goes up against your adjacent, adjacent to your existing um, city limit. Um, and, and also, um, I'm looking for the article. I thought I, I had it pulled up already, but um, on annexation. But um, it, it's it's important because it, Warren, if Warren grows, everyone else benefits. That's really what it comes down for me. And if if how do we here's the problem Warren runs into. We have a housing shortage, believe it or not. Yeah, I've 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 worried about this as we tear down more and more houses. Right. Uh, it, we're eroding our uh, our actual per capita per dollar uh, rate 
is higher than everywhere else because we don't, you know, when you dilute the basis, right, that denominator, when you do math, right, when you make that denominator smaller and smaller and smaller than the denominator, which is the part each of us pay individually per, per unit of value, right, the denominator get, has to get higher and higher, right? So because the way the formula works is it's the number of people divided by the total, you individually divided by the total uh, equals what they expect to get in the property tax. So if they have a $10 million property tax, and this is really simplifying it, right. it's much more convoluted. Um, so every time we tear down a house, it, it, you know, we drop from 20,000 houses to 15 to 10. Effectively, if we took from 20,000 houses to 10, we're effectively going to double the individual's rate, the amount that we have to charge each individual to get that money. So um, that's how property tax works. I, I think we need to, and I and I think our friends at TMP, you interviewed them, did a great job. Yeah, uh, I did listen to most of that. Um, shout out to uh, Matt and uh, Sean. Um, but I, I think you 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 wander into the political end of this, and I do, I know, but you, I, I, but you can't like yeah. like our boy Plato said. We started this conversation off talking about Socrates and Plato. You got about two minutes. You could ignore government, but it won't ignore you. Right. And 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 Warren's government has a, a legacy of having some issues uh, where people are uncomfortable working with it, and we have to fix those, and not just this last ten or twenty years, sixty years. Right. There's a lot of reasons why people ended up having problems moving businesses to Warren even 60 years ago, 30 years ago. So we have to address that. That's that hindrance thing. Um, and I'm as much at fault as possible. I've been now here four years elected official um, and I'm a citizen. I've been a citizen 20 some years. So like we as citizens, we Tolstoy, we have to fix ourselves. And I think that. Uh, um I think growing the city, it, why Why is it we have to annex them? Why is it they don't want to come in, right? If our streets were plowed That's a well, question it should be. I, hey, man. Yeah, and if, if we addressed uh, water and basements, yeah. right, you know, that, that uh, uh, that's a major problem. And, and we're now spending a ton of money on that. And I hope to God I'm wrong. And I hope, that, I hope it works. I hope when we're done spending this insane amount of money, which is north of $100 million, Let's not spend it all at once. <laughs> it's being spent. It's already being spent. It's done. Ugh. Right. So we, we have a situation where I hope we don't continue to put, and I want to call it water, it's sewage water yeah. in people's basements. I want to finish with this. And I'm going to put this link in our show notes. From uh, the, the uh, water, water service outside of the city. And I'm, I'm going to read right from the website where it shows the, the laws for within Warren. In writing the city, such as lot parcel, parcel or piece of real property shall be completely annexed within the city one year from the date said agreement is made to enter into the city. That means once they get the water, they have a year they should be annexed. I don't know how how dedicated, and we're going to have to wrap it up, unfortunately. But I don't know how dedicated Warren has been to enforcing that. I know there has been a little bit, and I'm not. Again, this isn't about putting anybody down. This is about wanting the residents to understand. You can find. I'll put this in the show notes. You can find these laws, and we can say hey, why are we not doing this or are we doing this? Let's educate ourselves on what's going on or what we can do to improve. Annexation is key to growth, period. If you're either growing or dying, 
Columbus has proved that. And again, when you read the article, you're going to see that. Mr. McPherson, I hate to just no, it's good. jump us off the air, just you, drop us right there. It is. <laughs> but I know we are out of time. Oh, so, it's been awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And we're definitely going to do a round two because I, I, I really want us to hone in on some business development for within the city. And we'll get away from this stuff, maybe touch on it a little bit. But we, I really want to dig into that. So thank you for coming, guys. I, I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you very much. Uh, keep the faith and defend Warren. <laughs>